Tell me when. Go ahead. You're not looking up. Sorry. Welcome to the Free Mind Pack. Wait. Wait. <laughs> Welcome to the Free Mind Podcast. You don't like that one. That's good. All right, y'all, welcome back. Welcome back. Um, hey, everybody. As you can, if you're watching this, you can see we're in front of this orange couch. Is it orange? Ish, kind yes, of ish, orangish. Is you know, Nerva, like Nerva likes these colors. She likes these colors. I do. So. I love colors. We're at these um, at Nerva's office at Liberty University here because we are in between kind of houses and, and moving yes. and all that. So we had to set up this like not on behalf of Liberty, I must say. Yes, we just happened to be here. Nothing here is either approved or disapproved no. or liked or disliked or <laughs> independent project. Independent just want project. To yes, but um, yeah, so. It's it's we're we're just setting up here trying to do it do it wherever we can these days. So thank you guys for your grace. I know we yep. normally like to try to get out episodes every Monday, but man, life is just crazy. But officially, congratulations, Nerva! You finished your master's. You got your certificate in the mail the other day. Excited! I'm back in my master's. Nice. Um, working. On, I just finished a fun. a fun class here on miracles, uh, resurrection, and all Ooh. that kind of good stuff here. So we'll have to do a podcast on that. Exciting at some point. stuff. Yeah, it was, it was awesome because Gary Habermas was the um, lecturing professor for that class. And, and, uh, you know, I go way back with his material, actually going to talk about some of it today cool. because his material played probably a, a pretty big part in my own journey, uh, through doubt to a, a deeper faith. So I put up a, a, a little Insta story for you guys the other day, just asking what topics you wanted us to address. And so one person responded, they said, I'd be interested in hearing more about how you both may have wrestled with your faith doubt and coming through that to from what i can tell an even deeper belief um so anyways we just want to do with the faith that's good yeah kind of a kind of an episode short episode on that because we know you know deconstruction is a big topic right now um when we were at impact 360 a, a couple of weeks ago we were talking with elisa childers about it because she's got a new book coming out on that on that um whole topic and in essence, she's arguing that that even the term itself shouldn't be used um, in a positive way because it actually comes from an ideology and is used in that field mm-hmm. um, to not not just to to question the assumptions that you might have in your worldview, particularly the Christian worldview, um, but actually to um, to negatively act as an acid to tear it down. So she said, because it has that negative connotation to it, you shouldn't try to like redeem the term or whatever. Um, and then, you know, she, she's going to go through in, in detail with another a co-writer and I forget the guy's name now he's with stand to reason, but I really look forward to that book. But that whole topic right now, we were talking with a friend the other day and they were just saying how, you know, it's really right now it's kind of easy to deconstruct, right? It's kind of trendy. Cool yes, yeah, yeah. it's, it's the cool thing because, you know, it's just got it's it's like, oh, I'm 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 smart. Look at me, I'm deeper. I don't go with the herd mentality. Uh, you know, I'm I'm an intellectual, so I think through these things on my own. And that while that can be the case every now and then, um, typically the people that I've either heard from or talked to that have deconstructed haven't been 
particularly thoughtful people, in my opinion. Um, they haven't really plumbed the depths. Um, and this is a generality just based on my little experience with the people. But again, the, the people that I'm familiar with, they typically start a YouTube page right away. Oh, wow. um, you know, they're, they're, they're posting all about it. And it becomes this, this I don't know, it, it just doesn't strike me um, as the reality matching what they perceive themselves to be through that process. And so we do have to watch that, like that temptation toward like the easy kind of deconstruction Mm. and thinking, okay, you know, this is, this is me just being intellectually honest because, you know, more times than not, we are impacted by all sorts of things and, and being intellectually honest is actually very difficult and it takes a lot of practice and, and we never get it perfect, but you know, you can grow in that. It's, it's, we've talked about it in the past a lot called epistemic virtues, yeah. but, um, the, the ability to try to put your biases as much as possible, your desires to the side, bracket those things out, bracket your experiences and do your best to give honest, um, to, to give a an appraisal of the issues um, without letting just what you want to be true oh boy. determine either the things you read or how you read them mm. or how you listen to them, all, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, it's a really difficult task. Um, most people, it, it's it's like learning how to master a, like golf. Golf is hard, right? It's yeah. not, not an easy sport to, to become a master of. Um my dad is really good at golf and he, you know, used to teach me and it's just, it's, it's really tough, but you know, you typically don't walk out on the golf course and just have a good swing. It's something that's, it's in many ways it can be counterintuitive and it takes a lot of practicing the right way and learning how to be a good thinker is like that. Learning, you know, you made me think of the quote by Alan Bloom who says, um, America will love, America will learn to love when she loves to learn again. Mm. And, I, and you made me think about how, um, you know, it's good to seek. It's good to ask questions. It's yeah. good to really, really um, have a, a robust understanding of something, especially your faith. But how you go about it is important. And your initial motive can be can lead towards a good place or a bad place. It's like, oh, I'm just the kind of person that wants to doubt and just be critical mm. of everything. That that That's not healthy seeking. But to truly want to know the truth about something, to truly want to know why is this the way it is and what does this truly mean and you know the, the bible encourages those yeah, people to yeah. study to show yourself approved to yeah. really want to learn seek ye first the kingdom and all of his righteousness and to to truly feast on the word so i'm uh, excited about your book elisa get it out. <laughs> for sure and i and you know that's a good point ben and, I, and that's why i love I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and do my uh, impact 360 there you here go uh, at Immersion, I know that every year we're there, they they give space to the kids to ask honest questions. Yeah, they say like, that part's I can't awesome. remember how many, but it's like, what are your three or five top doubts? Like, what are the things you wrestle with or, or struggle to understand in the Christian questions. faith? It's they really give them good. A, uh, you know, I hate to use this term, but they give them a safe space to... Uh, <laughs> But 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 it is good. Like you, you need that space where you can feel like you're not going to be attacked for True. having questions because that was part of like my own journey through doubt. When I when I grew up, I always say, um, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful for the way I grew up in the context, the church context. It was you know, very very much people that loved God, wanted to serve Him, wanted to know Him. It was on the, you know, in the charismatic end of the spectrum. Um, there was a high emphasis on experiencing God and having, 
um, great experiences, worship, you know, just, just having, you know, kind of these people from the outside would call it ecstatic experiences <laughs> with God. Um, but for me, I really did encounter, I, I really do feel like I encountered the Holy Spirit in that context. And, um, but there wasn't an emphasis necessarily on um, understanding really why we believe what we believe. You were just supposed to like, man, just... the, the Bible's true, just believe it. And mm. and it, when when I did have questions you know, sometimes they either weren't taken that seriously or you were almost made to feel bad. Like, what are you doing that? You know, this is a, that you are, you're doubting and, and that's, that's, you know, a sin. And there is a deep, there's a deeper discussion where that can actually, um, there can be some truth to that depending on the type of doubt you're talking about. But in my case, I, I, many times I feel like I had honest questions like the kids that come to Impact, mm. and they weren't handled where I felt safe to express those and work through them oh, gosh, yeah. with mentors that could help me through it. So thankfully, m- my mom, though, did help. She she began to, to do some thought because, you know, it was just a different it, – it's a different thing for that generation by and large, not, not – this is a generality, maybe maybe even just where, where in the area I'm from. But the people I met in the age group didn't tend to ask, you know, does God exist or how do we know that the Bible's true? They started with that presupposition, sure. and then they had debates about which denomination was right. Gotcha. <laughs> and, That's probably know, how I grew up. You know, yeah. we like I didn't, we weren't overtly or even nominally Christian, but I, I assumed God was real. Yeah. I didn't always walk close to him or yeah, acknowledge yeah. him, but that's, you just knew, okay, God's real. And that's yeah. about it. That's as far as it went for me. But I don't know that I ever asked the question, does he really, really exist? Cause it right. never really entered my mind. So that's very interesting. That is. Yeah. So you didn't have that with your family, no. right? There was, what about the Bible? Did y'all, did y'all take that as like, this is a, this is scripture from God. Do you remember? You know, the denomination I was raised Catholic. And we, it was a different kind of experience with the Bible. We didn't read the Bible much. It was, it kind of sat there and it was sacred. But when I began to read the scriptures, that's when it began to just really change my life. At that moment, I was learning that the Bible is the word of God. Once I believed it, I believed it. Mm. But I didn't grow up knowing it at all or reading it. So what about competing religions? Did you have any thoughts on the Quran or? <laughs> no, it didn't even, I, didn't, didn't even, I heard, I mean, you know, I knew of these other yeah. religions, but it, I didn't think that deeply about things. What about like, you know, the kind of the Haitian religion and, and like, you know, some of the, some of the um, voodoo and stuff like that. Did y'all have any thoughts on that growing up? If they did, I didn't talk about it. I just kind of was like, oh, we just do our routine. We go to church, we come home, we obey our parents, God's real. We don't have a close relationship with him, but we fear him and we live for him. He's kind of doing American life. Yeah, that was it. So it wasn't a robust relationship, nor was it thoughtful, nor did I doubt. Yeah. but And I don't know why, like, you know, it was weird. I don't, it's hard to know sometimes, like, in God's providence, because you know He's directing it, but you don't know. Like, is He doing this on purpose, or is this just part? It, not to get into that whole thing, but sure. looking back, it was um, interesting that the first doubt. I, I remember kind of occasionally having these doubts. It, it started to to really impact me when I when I took biology in high school, and I think it was because I was serious about my faith that it made me wrestle. Like, it really was, and that's the part I love about my background is like. Um, there were, there was an emphasis on really living your life for God. This okay. wasn't casual Christianity. It just wasn't, 
helpful as much on the intellectual side outside of my mom and this guy named Robert Vandermont. Shout out to, to Brother Robert for getting me all those uh, books from uh, uh, McDowell, Josh McDowell Josh, back yeah, then. Okay. So he, he was able to get me some help on that end. But it was when I encountered, I remember encountering biology. I remember asking this kind of traveling preacher that came to our church. I was so excited, you know, because it, you know, it was a big deal back then. That you you, you have revival, to, you yeah, put revival, in town. the letters are up on the church sign, revival coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we had the pastor come in. We were hitting that joint every night for like three wow. weeks. And I remember I, I worked up the co- courage to kind of like me in the hallway is like, man, I, was, I said to him something like, you know, man, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit. How do I know that evolution isn't true? He's, and, oh, and he kind of just looked at me and said, well, the proof's in the pudding, son, and just walked on. And I'm still trying to crack that Yikes. code. Yikes! But uh, um, no, no, I th- and, and I, you know yeah. there could be a deep way of actually cashing that out. And I, I don't know how he meant that, and and, and maybe it was just. You how know, did did that crush you to hear that? Did it discourage? It you? didn't help me. Right, for sure. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, it just felt like just, dismissive, just kind of, and mm. you know I'm studying this stuff every day, and they're telling me how you know these textbooks they're, they're showing you quote unquote these proofs of the age of the earth you know the being you know i forget at the time 4.5 billion years old and humanity being millions of years old and the process and here's the bones we have and here's the dna tests and all this kind of stuff so you were you in high school when you were yeah in high okay. school That's um and so that. i was struggling with that um didn't didn't really know how to put to get to get, we had just like inherited the the young earth creationist position which says the earth is anywhere from six to nine thousand years old that humanity was a special creation kind of out of nowhere from god no previous like they didn't come from hominid species or anything like that so i'm i'm, I'm hitting this stuff for the first time not really knowing how to work through it um then shortly after that I go to youth camp, um, this, and, and I really have, again, another experience with God that I felt like was a genuine, like, um, I'll call, again, the, the clinical ter- ecstatic experience, <laughs> experience with God. And, uh, yes. and I sit down right after that, and the question comes into my mind, and, and it was just simple. It was like, man, how do you know that this is true? Like, how do you know Christianity is true and not Buddhism or Islam or whatever, you know? And, uh, and I began to struggle, and I was like, man, how do I know that that experience I had isn't just some psychological phenomenon? You know, maybe my brain d- does something weird, and or, I, or I, I work myself up into something that's not really there and feeling that. So I began that, – that was like the first time that it kind of took root in me, and I began to really, really – I couldn't let it go. Like okay. there were times before that I could – I sort of have these doubts, but I could let them go. This was – this became sort of obsessive at that point and so it would bother me bother me bother me i'd wrestle with it i'd read i'd read and then you know it kind of dissipate but I, I couldn't seem to i couldn't find like a a a great solution that would like make me feel comfortable for long periods of time um fast forward this would continue i would have these bouts with it say like a couple weeks on and then in like a couple weeks of not thinking about it much and during this time you're not having any um what do you call it like I'm hearing you express like it's it was an intellectual doubt. Were you um, rebelling against God at the time? Were you having some challenges outside of this struggle that might have nurtured this doubt, or was it just a plain old doubt? God? Yeah, that, that's a great question um, because, um, and this is where Habermas's work in particular okay. later on helped me out. So he talks about doubt in three categories. Um, because he even talked about how he wrestled a lot with doubt on and off um, throughout his life. And almost he actually almost became a Buddhist at one point. Okay. And so um, 
he, he, three types of doubt he talks about. One, intellectual doubt. Two is um, emotional doubt. doubt. And three is volitional doubt. Uh, he says three is the most dangerous kind because that's the willful doubt. That's the kind when, like, you've really decided against Christianity. You're basically get, you're looking for ways out of it, you know, at that point, which you can find. You can find scholars to support basically any point of view out there. And so, you know, you're on a, you're on a quest to disprove it because of you want it to be false. Gotcha. Um, the emotional doubt, just what it, what it sounds like, it's like it's like doubts that come that aren't really necessarily – rooted in just questions but they they come to you like you're you're tired or you're feeling bad yeah suffering you can and you kind of just start to have these vague thoughts of man maybe this isn't true or maybe maybe i can't trust the bible this kind of thing okay um and and he says one of the telltale signs of emotional doubt is even when you answer that doubt the the feeling doesn't go away and you're still struggling the same as you were and then of course the the one that the one that I think everyone assumes that they have all the time is the intellectual doubt. And that is just having like genuine intellectual questions, um, about the truth, you know, does God exist? How do we know it exists? Like, what do we make of the Trinity? Um, is the Bible true? What about suffering? Um, the hiddenness of God, these kinds of questions that, that kind of impact you. Okay. And so one more question. Yeah. So I'm hearing you go ahead, finish off those. Yeah, no, no, no. So yours was more. Yeah, so this this was part of the key for me is I began to discover there was a mix of intellectual doubt and emotional doubt. And I thought it was all intellectual. Now, it wasn't um, it wasn't it wasn't driven by an immorality at the time. Not to say again that I was perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but. You'll notice like a lot of the guys that end up deconstructing, walk away from the faith when you trace it back, oftentimes you'll be like, yeah, they started using porn and or they were, you know, later on in life they were cheating on their wife or, you know, you'll find some great like moral thing that's going on that's really driving it. For me, it wasn't that like I wasn't I was in fact, I was really seeking God. I was I was a leader in my youth group. I was going after the things of God. So that's what made it even harder. But I think what I didn't recognize in there, and, and let me fast forward a little bit because this this would take place, like I said, in segments throughout the years, and and just a, I would get distracted from it sometimes, okay, and I went through some phases in college when I wasn't, you know, I wasn't seeking the Lord as much as I was in high school, but um, but I was still, you know, kind of walking that walk. I think even when I when I met you, I was still struggling with it. You always say I tricked you. I don't recall seeing the struggle i it wasn't a big part of our conversations but all i know is into marriage i noticed you had some struggles with doubt and i was like wait a minute was is this a new thing so yeah. anyway that's and i my think version. and yeah. i think by that time like Maybe it wasn't it was you said it ebbed and flowed and yeah it was segment, so it was and i was like i was super focused on you so there you, you know. go there's that um, <laughs> you were distracted <laughs> i was just i was very distracted but <laughs> but i do remember i do remember specifically wrestling with um free human freedom and God's sovereignty while we were dating. And I was reading books on that. And so I don't think I brought it up in that context, not on purpose. It wasn't like an intentional, like, man, I got to hide this. But I think over the years I had learned um, to hold those cards close to my vest because when you explain that to people, they were either dismissive and, and that would further the doubt because when, when they were dismissive of it or they would give an easy answer that wasn't good that I already discovered wasn't good, it would make me think, oh, there isn't a good answer to this. Mm-hmm. So it would it would exacerbate the, the feeling that I already felt. Like when I'd ask them, I remember asking as a kid, like this guy, 
that I had respect for. And, and um, I was like, man, how do I know the Bible's true? And he opened the Bible up and, and to where, you know, Paul said all scriptures God breathed. And, and I knew something was wrong with that argument at the time. I didn't know the term of circular reasoning. But I was like, well, yeah, I know the Bible's true because the Bible says it's true. Therefore, the Bible's true. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there is a, there, there's a presuppositional argument that's a lot more complicated that's a little better, I think. Um, but, but I knew, like, when I would have those experiences at the time, it would further my doubt because I was like, man, this is an elder. This is someone I respect. And this is the answer they're given. Maybe there just is no good answer to that question. Maybe there is no, maybe there are no good reasons to trust the Bible. But I had enough. This is what kept me going through those those tough times. This is why I didn't deconstruct before deconstructing. Deconstructing was cool, right? Because um, this was back in the '90s. Um, so it wasn't a lot of this going on. And I really do like looking back. I think God was preparing me for this time. Uh, for min- for ministry and whether he you know it, I, I picture those times where like he sends the the evil spirit to go to Saul or where where the evil spirit approaches him and says can I go to Saul I don't know what was happening in the background wow. but I feel like he allowed it whatever happened for to for me to go through this torment it was painful it was for painful you. yeah because it was like it I, wasn't like just trying to figure no, out a calculus no, formula. It's, no. it's just an agonizing, tormenting. It was an agonizing, okay. tormenting experience when I wasn't distracted from it. And so the more I was, the more serious I, I was about it, the more painful and it so was. And so how was it painful? It's because... Because I knew the implications if I okay. were to turn away from it. I see. I said, man, if, 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 if I lose this... It has a lot of social implications, first of all. I mean, not yeah. first of all. I would say second of all. Um because like you know you a lot of your social structures your relationships your friendships your families built around this ideology i was willing to do that like i I didn't want to lose that but i said i can't i can't pretend like if this is false i've got to follow it where it goes like i i can't i just didn't i don't have the makeup to pretend um that's really true about you. <laughs> we'll be sitting in church and something kind of goofy going on. And I look over at Seth and he's got this look on his face. I said, babe, can you just smooth it over for the next five minutes? We'll be done. I feel yeah. he, he cannot pretend. And I love that. And that doesn't, you. that doesn't always work well when we're on stage as guest <laughs> right. artists, right? She's always telling me to fix it's my like, face. Can you just, just, we'll be done. And I try so, not I mean, yeah, to, like I'm not trying to be you. a jerk or anything. I think that's great. Um, I think it's a wonderful quality. You're very honest and forthcoming and and just yeah, yeah I feel like I've I feel like I've lost us donors in the past <laughs> and potential no, um no. uh potential opportunities because like I just for whatever reason I just especially when it comes to something that important I can't pretend I won't pretend Um, I will admit where I don't know what I don't know and I will try to be humble because I do realize like how um, we know way less than we think we do like part of this process has humbled Mm -hmm. me in a lot of ways um, even as far as like the use of reason and the ability to put your your confidence in and all those kinds of things um but i can't be dishonest with what i think is true and so that i had to face that so that was part of it but but the biggest part of it was i knew for my own self if i walk away from this what else is there like the the disciples even said it to jesus you know when he's, you he know, was like where are you going to go and he's like or he's like are you going to leave too and they're like well where where could we go you know um, you have the words of life. Um, and I also like, 
you know, the Apostle Paul of Jesus is not raised, we're all doomed, you know, eat, drink, and be merry. And I knew, like, if, if for me, it was a, it, the, the biggest question was theism versus atheism. Does God exist or not? And I, and, I, and I knew enough to know by this point, if I came down on the side that God does not exist, then there just is, there is no morality. Like, I have nothing to base, there's no, there's no ontological or real purpose to life. There's no real aim of life. There's, there's nothing. So for me, it wasn't just like, oh, cool, I don't have to go to church anymore. And I don't have to sing these hymns. And I don't have to be, you know, go serve the poor and I can just live my life for me. It wasn't that because I knew, I knew the implications. Like Nietzsche really understood the implications of losing God and his whole God is dead um, framework. Wow. So I knew there would be no morality, no purpose. What I didn't know yet, and this is something I later discovered through Alvin Plantiga and others, and, and really C.S. Lewis, but I didn't know if I got rid of God, I would be getting rid of reason. Because at the time, I thought Ooh, you could still you be. That okay. I thought you could still be a pretty good, like, reasonable person and, and scientist, even though there was no no morality. You could still think scientifically and, and still reason. Um, later, that was even part of it. Now, I won't get into all that okay. now. But did you have a question? I was just going to ask about that. Can you just, just say a little bit about it? If you get rid of God, you get rid of reason. For someone who may have never heard that reason is yeah. tied to God. So There's no God. There's no reason. How's yeah, that? very quickly. And, and here's something. I know you'd recommend this too, but the C.S. Lewis movie. If you watch that, I forget what it's called, The, the Most Reluctant Convert. Yes. Go they, see they, it. It's so good. It's yeah, they well hit on, done. They hit on this point really big, and, and, and I think that was one of the big um, one of the big pieces of evidence that led C.S. Lewis to become just a theist, not, not full-on Christian, okay. but a theist, was like his friend convincing him. He's like, hey, you want to be a reasonable person, right? And he's like, yeah. And you, you know that like if, if your, your presupposition of God not existing undercuts the very reliability of reason. And so they, they started having that conversation. Um, they're, they're, I'm trying to think of this. It's, it's, a, it's difficult to understand at first because we take reason so for granted that it's hard to get outside of that and, and think about it. it. It takes a little bit of stretching, if that makes sense. You have to kind of work, like do some workouts to be able to get there. But very quickly speaking, if, if, if God doesn't exist... There's some, there are worldview implications for that. Sure. Some of those implications are things like um, there is no human soul. Like there's no, there's no, there's no immaterial part of a person. Um, there's just physics and chemistry and motion. motion basically, matter and motion. Uh, yeah. So the universe is just basically things that can be described materialistically. Physics, chemistry, um, thoughts, for instance. If they're just physics and chemistry, they're, they're, they don't yeah. have content. They're neither true Ooh. or false. They're just this sea fiber firing this way or firing that way in the brain. And so if, if you have no human soul, like reason requires the ability to have like a mind that's not just physics in motion, but, but, but the ability to assess things and think about the truth or falsity, the plausibility or implausibility um, of various claims. Okay, so... You have the the claim that um, two plus two equals four, or um, the testimonial witness that somebody saw someone doing this yesterday, or the 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 memory belief that I have right now that I ate a sausage egg and cheese uh, sandwich earlier today. I believe that. <laughs> you believe that. I have reason um, to believe that you did. And and yeah. and understanding those claims, like 
if it's just physics and sure, the physics fine. are fire like physical states of affair in the brain firing this way or that they it's not like you think it is like where you're mentally thinking about it and then coming to the conclusion oh yeah that's true that's that's plausibly more true than false right. there's no um, it's ju- yeah there's no connect it's just like a tree branch growing to the right or to the left that's that's the thought and and, and that is difficult to yeah. understand until you wrestle Real, with that it's fascinating though um reason requires a mind basically and a mind Jeez, has to be please. something that has properties that aren't merely can't be reduced just to physics physical. and chemistry otherwise it's just so this shooting that way and that, this okay. way, and that way so that's one major aspect of it so that you came to that understanding if i get rid of god later on i later did on, okay. yeah that was but part of the later first. yeah not at first um uh, another another quick piece of that whole discussion is part of the story of how things developed on a naturalistic perspective is the whole the the grand evolutionary story so you have the at least in modern science you have the big bang spits off stars and spits off planets and somehow this you know life forms dna and it propagates and but the the um, propagating is based on what sometimes uh, thinkers have called the four F's, um, f- fighting, fleeing, feeding, and reproduction. <laughs> um, Wait, and so, four F's. Yeah, so, so everything in your DNA just drives you toward those things. That, that's how you survive. So it's survival of the fittest in the, the, the Darwinian kind of universe. Nowhere in that is reason necessarily required. That's why you have all sorts of biological organisms that can exist without what we would call, you know, human reason. Like even the best case scenario, like a monkey, like Darwin, even I think it was Darwin that said, would you trust a monkey's mind to give you truth about the universe, you know, in any kind of um, reasonable way. So there's part of it. It's like the way you developed on, on evolutionary naturalism, unguided evolution doesn't we have no reason to suppose that it creates minds that are primarily aimed at the truth um it could just create it could create minds that are practically useful but does it give us the truth about physics does it give us the truth about science especially the deeper you get like why think that this mind that was cobbled together by things that were aimed at the four F's. They weren't aimed at truth. They were just aimed at basically surviving and reproducing. So the brain that was cobbled together by blind forces toward that end, to be able to trust that to give you truth about reality, like ontological truth is a leap in the dark. So anyways, there's, there's a lot there that, that basically, if, if you have a God who created the human mind and created the universe and gave it a connection where you can understand it and apprehend it, um, you can properly then begin to say things about it, and, and language can then describe reality mm. um, that comes from a mind design because there's a connection between the two. But if you don't have that connection and you just have blind processes producing um, this brain that's producing these other thoughts, then how do you assess between those based on that, that brain that was produced by, in essence, like a storm sweeping through a junkyard and creating a plane, an airplane? Yeah. Would you fly that plane? Nobody right. would, you know? Would you trust? in that plane to get you off the ground. And so um, that's why a lot of philosophers have recognized, and, and that's why naturalism and modernism led into postmodernism. And that's why, you know, if you accept that idea that there is no God, you try to hold on to science. It's only a matter of time if you take those that to its logical okay. conclusion, that then you start to say things like, oh, the claim to objectivity is just whiteness, or it's just... Um, it's supremacy because there is no ability to get objective truth with a human brain. There's just different perspectives. 
And so you have all these different people and they're using objectivity, they're using science to prop up their side. These are all power plays because the idea that human language can even express reality as it is, 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 is a non-starter for the postmodernists. And they're right, wow. like if naturalism okay. is true, it's hard not to slip right into postmodernism. So that, that's a long story. So go on, let, me, let me bring us back um, to my original question was like, how do I know this is true? So I began to dig, I began to dig down on that. I wish I would have had like, what, what eventually helped me was when I got in school, right? And you, you know, <laughs> that oh, had its yeah. ups and downs. Uh, you know, but I, I did. Um, I went to this apologetics conference by myself in Providence, Rhode Island. That is one of the keys to like if you're, you know, if your child or your friend is dealing with doubt, it's kind of hard because one, you knowing which type of doubt it is can be difficult. Uh, it, it's like diagnosing an issue with your body, right? It, it's just it can be kind of difficult sure. to know what's going on. So for me. What helped me is I began to realize, like, okay, a lot of this doubt, it's just compounding. Like, no matter how many books I read on this topic, it's getting worse. Really? Uh, I'm feeling worse. I'm reading. I was, I would stay up late reading really heavy stuff, and I'd wake up early and read heavy stuff. So is then I'm not sleeping feeling well. worse due to not finding the answer, what that one thing you were seeking to kept well, solve it that's, all? That's Why the weird part, because sometimes I would find a good answer to this question, but then it would raise another question. And then I'm like, oh, no, I got to figure that one out. So I think part of it's not recognizing that you're always going to have unanswered questions to a degree. Like there's going to be some things. And I think you have to learn how to deal with that in a healthy way. And so I became like I might be a little OCD with things anyway. So I I let my little OCD, (laughs) this guy. So I let myself like that was the emotionally unhealthy part was not recognizing when to cut it off. Like, you know. Eat well, sleep right. Don't read heavy stuff. I remember I learned that from Greg Kokel. like he would say, don't read super deep stuff, you know, two hours before bed. Because I was doing it in bed, like with my little nightlight, like reading, you know, heavy philosophy till two in the morning. And then it would sit on your soul and you wake up early and you're doing and I'm jumping back into it because now it's I'm even more confused. And I had no like oversight, no Mm -hmm. overseer helping me with that. And so part of it was emotions were getting mixed in with the intellectual side and I didn't realize how to tease them out and how to make a healthy space for me to have those questions. So there was all that involved. So if you have friends and kids that are doubting, you know, you do want to be careful. Like, uh, sorry, William Lane Craig used to say that too. He said like, you know, people sometimes have this idea, well, I got to listen to the other side. So they'll go on and they'll listen, they'll read the Richard Dawkins and they'll read Sam Harris. This was back in the new atheist day. And, um, you know, what he said about that was for you, that's like pornography for many people. Like that's actually, you shouldn't go do that because you don't have the tools to understand the errors in their thinking yet. And that's not to say that, you know, abstinence is always best. Like, but you have to, because we're not taught how to think in our education system anymore, you're just sitting, you're a sitting duck. If you go and read Richard Dawkins and you don't know how to, um, assess deductive arguments, inductive arguments, empirical reasoning, all these kinds of things. You're just a sitting duck. So this kind of like naive idea that, well, I'm just going to, you know, you get, you read this 18 year old and I'm going to read Dawkins and Craig, you know, well, 
it's probably not the best idea if you don't have the tools. Now, okay. if you have the tools, like we're, when I when I was going to Biola doing the uh, the program in science and religion, there we were reading Darwin, we read Dawkins, we read, but we were, it was because we were equipped to handle that stuff. You can't just it's it's as foolish as like. Um, walking at where you live in south side of chicago just with no like and not paying attention and just sure, thinking you can wear, wear you can wear any kind of colors you want you need to know where you're the at assignment. you don't understand the assignment <laughs> yeah. um there's a there's a naivete to that um okay. and and you so it's there's there's a trickiness too and, and some of these guys that are even doing that kind of work they're they some of them are honest atheists, and there are some very brilliant atheists, but some of them are dishonest, and, and they're going to use sleight of hand, and you're not going to know it. Um, some of them are just mistaken, and, okay. and they, they're not even – like Dawkins, for instance, isn't a good philosopher by any stretch of the means, um, but he uses his credentials in this area of science to prop up his authority when, whenever he even speaks on philosophy and theology and people that don't know any better – are, are taking his statements with weight in those areas. That's good. Um, and they're, they don't have the ability to assess it for themselves. And so I won't, I wouldn't encourage you with your kids or your friend to just say, oh, yeah, just go nuts. Go on YouTube and find it. Like they, there needs to be a place where they're having some oversight. What were you gonna say? Two things. You taught me about that a while ago, about a person kind of speaking into something that doesn't have the correct authority in yeah. that particular field. And so... In the day of social media where everyone has an opinion, everyone has a book, everyone has a podcast, and everyone feels led to have a platform, you just have to understand, like, a lot of people are learned and educated and have the authority, and a lot of people don't, and just knowing the difference between the two. And yeah. another thing I was going to say was... Um, Growing up, I didn't meet many atheists mm. and or people who struggled or had doubts. But I've learned over the years to not be afraid of it, mm -hmm. to not let it um, uh, freak you out, so to speak. You know, like I, I come across students here who 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 kind of struggle with it, and I, having experienced it and walked through it with you, I understand now. And so you can reach a place where you can understand and identify the kind of doubt and just be a gentle ear or be someone who can be a signpost, point them in the right direction. Like, yeah. So did you have that? Did you have friends that you could talk to about it? Or you kind of, you learned, you said, to kind of keep it. Yeah, I learned, to kind of, which, is, which is part of the, um, the um, reason that... Um, I think that even by itself added to the emotional dishealth of it because you need people, you need yeah you need, you need people around that you're working through. So when I got it back to the Biola thing, when I when I enlisted in school, I started having some oversight for the first time and just yeah. some community in okay. that area, and that was a huge key to helping me walk out of the emotional side of it, um, and, and it allowed me to have the to ask those questions and kind of like really really dive in that but in a healthy place and when i when i did that it was it was night and day oh, that's it, awesome. like it lifted the burden off of feeling like oh man you know i'm by myself in this or you so know. just that community just feeling like you had community some... and the leadership of the professors that because they were honest they weren't trying to hide that other side the other argument that we were reading those other books but you were doing it in a place where you could have somebody walk you through it and say, well, here, have you considered this? This is what they're doing in this argument. Here's where, here's why that doesn't work. Or here's why that, that is a good argument. We should take that seriously or whatever. But it's like, um, having those, um, that, that oversight, it's just like, that's what education should be. Like mm. 
You should have people that are that are further on down the road that are helping you, that are instructing you according to knowledge. Okay. Um, and, and and walking you through like if they are taking you to dangerous areas that they're that you know it's like a guide, a tour guide almost. Like if if they're taking you, I don't know, rock climbing or something. You don't just say, hey, here's a rope, go nuts. You know, here's a pickaxe and just, you know, have, sure. have fun on Mount Everest. No, you work up to it and you you have instructors, you have guides that are walking you every step because the stakes are high oh when boy. it comes to ideology. The stakes are high and you need that um, that help and, and, the, and the people to walk you through that. So I was also talking about the, you know, friends and or even yourself if you're doubting that's going to be a huge key. You want to you want to properly assess like, man. Am I volitionally doubting? Is there some great immorality in my life right now that I need to address first? Um, if you do, you need to take that to spiritual leaders or pastors or whatever and, and work through that with them um, and understand, like, don't make that worse by, you know, conflating it with intellectual doubt and thinking, okay, I just need to read this book because it's a different source. Mm -hmm. If it's emotional, same thing. You might need to do some new practices. There's a book, J.P. Moreland, uh, what is it, Overcoming Anxiety or something like that. Something like and that. It, it's a very thoughtful walkthrough on, on how to deal with emotional doubt. You know, he's a philosopher, so he thinks in those kinds of terms. His stuff has kind of helped me, too, with that over the years. And um, you, you just want, because if you just try to address the emotional doubt with another book, it's not going to hit it. Now, that there might be part of that in there that you do need to discover, you do need to wrestle out. But if you get the volitional part right and the emotional part right, the intellectual part then you can address that with the content, and, and it's in a much healthier space, if that makes sense. Yeah, really good. Yeah, so fast forward to now. Yeah. How are you doing now? It's just... I'm, I'm, I have perfect knowledge about everything <laughs> in the world, 100% confidence. <laughs> no, no doubt anywhere, um, yeah. Yeah, so, I, you know, I do, th I, it is, I'm so thankful now yeah. that um, I feel like I'm in a much healthier place. I, I have this document on my computer called Bag of Questions <laughs> that every now and then, because that's one thing I learned yeah. um, just as another side. I keep, feel like I'm doing these all these side notes, but one of the mistakes I was making earlier on, early on was I would let my doubts in easily. So um, I wouldn't put my doubts to the same, uh, to the same degree of inspection that I would put my beliefs through. And so they would just, they would come so in un, unchecked, like they were, they came in Ooh, easy. That's good. Um, and so that's one thing that, you know, Dallas Willard used to say that you gotta, you gotta doubt believe your, your he's, he would say that's like good. all four, believe your beliefs, believe your doubts, doubt your beliefs and doubt your doubts. Like, in other words, you have to, you have to put every thought that comes through to the test. Say those four again, believe your yeah, beliefs. Yeah, believe your beliefs. Doubt your, beliefs, doubt your beliefs, believe your doubts, and doubt your doubts, Jeez, depending on what they are and when they are. In other words, he, but, but another statement that people would say that was helpful is like, learn to doubt your doubts. Amen. That's good. Because like, um, a what if question is cheap. It doesn't carry any justification for it. It's truth or falsity. It's just a what if, and it's a fear that will sometimes accompany that. Oh man, what if, you know, what if I lose everything or what if... Christianity is false or, Indeed, you yeah. know, that those can come in and that could actually paralyze you and keep you from moving forward in what you're doing. But you see how that doesn't, there's no reason necessarily to believe that in a given case. Mm -hmm. And so you can't just let those, 
doubts come in unchecked. Like you, if a doubt comes in, like, okay, the Bible isn't reliable. Okay, based on what? There you go. Okay. Um, have I assessed that thoroughly? Um, is there, is there, um, are the reasons to believe that stronger than the reasons to not believe it? You know, yeah. and, and there is a spectrum here. And that's one of the things when I began to understand, when I began to study knowledge, I began to understand better what the nature of knowledge is. And the traditional view of knowledge is justified true belief. And so you have, you know, if you have these three items, you have knowledge. If you lack any one of them, they would say you don't, you, then you lack knowledge. And that's really what we're looking for, right? We want, the Bible, JP would say this, is not just a faith tradition in the sense of just no. believing things. Mm, it's, it's a knowledge tradition. tradition. It's knowing things and believing the truth. Um, and so you, you want to come to confident knowledge in, in God and the truth of Christianity in Jesus mm, Christ, right? So good. In order to do that, you often have to wrestle through these difficult questions. Um, now, not everybody will do that the same way. Like you haven't done it the same way as me, but that's okay. Like we're all caught, we're all wired a little bit differently and we're called to different things, but we should, it, I, I do think if you have that bent toward, you know, kind of taking things apart, understanding them, it's a good thing to do that with Christianity. It's good to, to challenge your own assumptions mm-hmm. and to um, do that in a healthy space um, like I said, you want to be healthy in your heart. You want to have healthy friendship. And you don't want to just do it just to do it. Like, But you do want to take, um, when you have people that have disagreement, you'll, you'll encounter this naturally if we're doing the work of an evangelist. Mm-hmm. You will encounter people's doubts. Amen. And so that, that by itself, even if they don't come in your own heart and mind, that should be enough for you to say, you know what, I'm going to go look into this. Yeah. Um, and as you do that, I think it typically deepens you. So the, the justified true belief, um, the truth element obviously has to correspond with reality. The belief, you need to believe it. Like, you know, that's sure. what JP would say. Right. It, it wouldn't make much right. sense to say, yeah, I know that, but I don't believe a word of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so you believe it, it corresponds with reality, but it's not just a mere l- lucky guess. That's what, you know, a, a lucky guess would just be those two criteria, mm-hmm. uh, truth and belief, but it has to be justified. And that's where, in other words, it's based on a proper, um, an evidential basis or an intuitive basis or whatever it might be. The justification element is such that it's strong enough to say, yeah, I know this. So for instance, there are different kinds of justification. I'm sitting here right now. I'm, I'm, I'm justified. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just like, I know that nerve is sitting next to me. How do I know that? Well, I believe it. It's true. My justification for that is through sight. I yeah. see her sitting here right now. Um, you can have defeaters for that. You know, it gets it the area of epistemology, but the idea is we have knowledge of all types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, science is one type of knowledge. And even within science, some things you would say, you know, other things are mere speculation. There's everything in between. You have theological knowledge, you have political knowledge. You, you grow in those things. You sort your beliefs through different um, epistemic justifications, whatever the required, you know, in math, you have proofs that can help you have knowledge of certain theorems are true, true, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So through that process, it's taught me a lot about knowledge. You get into metaphysics, you get into morality, all these types of things. And, and, and I do feel like for me, it has helped me. It, it's helped deepen me. It's helped give me, give me much more confidence in the truth of Christianity. Like I'm so glad that as painful as that process with it was as many years as I went through it, um, it is good to not to deconstruct, 
and it's not even good to doubt Christianity, but I would say it's good to assess and to, to um, critically analyze whatever your beliefs are. Um, now, I think we need to do a part two to this and, and talk a little bit about, you know, what are our sources of justification? What, like, how do we, what are, what are the ways you can begin to build a confident faith? I was just about to ask you to name two authors that you've read that have really impacted and helped Man. your... Yeah. It's hard to narrow it down to two, yeah, but just me, two. Yeah, you want to come good, back to that? Good. I'm gonna come okay, back give to me that. one, just one. Well, yeah. Well, if I give you one, I got to give you, you like did. 10. I hear you. Okay, we can wait. Yeah. We can wait till next episode. Um, All right. So, but I do want to. So, so anyways, hopefully this is just a helpful. We'll, we'll call this part one. Part we'll come one. back and do part two That's here cool. in, in a little bit and just give you more. But um, yeah, thanks for asking the question. If you guys have any more questions along this these lines, like we love, we do love to help people growing in, in a confident faith in Christianity. I think that, I think reason is on the side of Christianity. Um, it's, I'm not a, what's called a fideous, like a blind leap into the dark. I think that Christianity is a knowledge tradition and um, the Bible is true and we don't just have to merely believe it. It actually, there's good reasons to believe the Bible's true. There's good reasons to believe God exists. There's good reasons to believe that Jesus was who he said he was, that he died, how, he, how the Bible says he died and that he rose again and that those who put their confidence in him will rise again uh, to everlasting life. There's good reason to um, believe and have confidence and even to know the central truth claims of Christianity. So if you have any questions about that, you know, write us in. Our Gmail's been hacked, so don't write me oh gosh whole nother that's story another night. Um, that's another episode i think you can get us at um yeah uh through the through the freemind.fm website you can okay. contact us through that i'll make sure of that but if you have questions uh write them in we'd love to address them and help you guys walk through them so thank you so much for this joining us today so. subscribe uh give us a review on uh, on old uh, apple podcasts and uh we'll see you next time oh,